0: Yeah, yeah he's here. That.
1: He's in town. He yeah, came yesterday. Yeah. I did not hear that But he of was he's exhausted. Of because down. that's the spare so I think he probably takes a red eye and he ended up having to go to Denver, yeah.
2: and then coming back. So. And it's ridiculous. So
1: I saw you were out it. in Alabama last night.
2: Excuse me?
1: What's Me?
0: Yeah, you. What about you? I was you? gone. I wasn't even here.
1: Yeah, I saw your picture on Facebook. What were you doing on Facebook? Billy bought me tickets for Christmas for Gaslight Theater. Oh, yeah. So they had a Facebook picture. And they didn't But for the plaintiffs, we plead. Okay, let's go. Let's yeah. go. Right <laughs> now, I can't stand right there. Now you got to be right there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Showers this afternoon of rain, but this morning showers of blessing.
1: There There shall be showers of blessings, this is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. blessings we need, mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessings, precious reviving again, over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain. Showers of blessings we need Mercy drops round us are falling But for the showers we plead There shall be showers of blessings Send them upon us, O Lord Grant to us now a refreshing Come and now honor thy Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need Mercy drops round us are falling, but for the showers we plead.
3: Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful that we can come together for this time of worship, and we are truly blessed. Lord, we're here to lift up Jesus. And Father, I pray that as we're here today, that we can learn more about you, that we can grow closer to you, and that our our connection to you will grow even deeper. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. No snow this morning. That's a good thing. Not yet. Not yet. Hey, we're here to worship the Lord together. We're glad that you've chosen to do that with us. Please make sure you fill out your connection card sometime this morning if you're watching us online. We encourage you to do the same thing. Before we continue our song service, go around and say hello to somebody that you haven't talked to this morning.
2: Let's
3: go. So, let's go. Let's go. Good morning. Good morning, Sorry, Good morning. Sir. Huh? Hey, Sean. <laughs>
1: Of happiness. I can hear a happiness. That's right. That's right.
2: Okay, we got to go down and say hello. <laughs> we told him to come up. Good morning, Mrs. Good morning, how, morning. Are how are you? you? I'm well. How are yeah. you? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning. <laughs> You're gonna
0: give me a hug.
1: Home yesterday. Said you cannot come, in, come to my house. Tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'll good. call her later. Check out. Sounds like a bronchitis. Oh, no. It's Are going early? around. I've got oh, a couple of Everywhere. Our it. son yeah. has got it. So,
2: it's everywhere.
1: again, right? Here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. how's Tom going?
2: I don't think his trial is until May. So, they're
1: going to drag it out until really? May. That's when his trial. Is okay. okay. He's going to have to go to Phoenix every month. Tell May and show up at these hearings.
2: So. Yeah. Um. Of course. Yeah. Well, he's uh, in our prayers. You guys you are, you are, are you. in our prayers. uh
4: Oh. Hello, hello, good morning. How are you? How are you
2: doing? I'm good.
1: I'm yeah. good. <laughs> hello. How are you? Go 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 Got to run. <laughs> You moving now down? We have an extra. Now you have time. to share. I'm James. <laughs> okay. Do <laughs> you want to hear me sing some ramble? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 Hi.
1: Jesus is my plea. Daily Daily walking close to thee. i me in his precious blood, my Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. I was so lost, I should have died, but you have brought
3: our journey in core 52 together i'm excited i hope that as we go through these next few weeks actually 52 weeks together that um, you'll be blessed and that you'll learn some things now before we dive into the message i want to do a few housekeeping items just kind of give you make sure you understand the flow of what we're doing each sunday except for faith promise in a couple weeks in december when we step out of the series jerry or i are going to preach through a chapter or the actually the verse in the chapter of core 52 And we're going to go sequentially through the book. So this week's chapter one, next week's chapter two, yada, yada, yada. On Monday, what you'll do then is you'll take your Core 52 book and you'll read what they ask you to read in there. It'll take you 15 minutes or less. And then in your book, you'll spend 15 minutes a day for five days a week. And sometimes it'll be less because like the memory verse for this week, there's some that are pretty easy. And this is one of them. Um, You'll find assignments at the end of each chapter of the book, and that'll take you through your five days. Now on our website, if you want to, and I'm going to show one of these at the end of service today, he has memory verse videos that will give you tips on how to memorize scripture. And so I'm going to show you one, but you can go to our website under our Core 52 page and see that. Um, On our Core 52 page also, you will find uh, memory verse cards that you can print off. They'll, They'll be on a sheet. It's a PDF. You can print them off if you want those cards. Core 52... Oh, also, there'll be a site where you can go to on Core 52 if you want them to email you stuff each week that, sh- that you can take yourself through. It's pretty cool. It's, Core 52 is essential for individuals and for groups who want to build confidence in God's Word. It amazes me sometimes that p- folks that have been in church for a long, long time don't feel confident in the Word. Think of Core 52 as a fast pass to biblical literacy, calling 15 minutes a day, five days a week. The author of the book, Mark Moore, he, he's at Christ Church of the Valley. He was a professor at, at um, Ozark Christian College. <clears throat> he identifies the most power-packed passages of Scripture, and he, he's, he's put them in digestible form so that even people with the busiest of schedules can take 15 minutes and learn about God's Word. This is not a verse-by-verse study. What it is is it's taking the mountaintop passages through Scripture, and if you know these 27% of Scripture, you'll understand 80, at least 80% of the Bible. And during this 52 weeks, that's what we'll be doing. Many people are interested in studying the word, but they don't know where to begin. And what ends up happening is generally a person will pick up the Bible and they'll just start in Genesis, which Genesis is a lot of fun, by the way. But then you get into, you know, once you get past Exodus, a few of those books. I even struggle with Jeremiah. It's like, man, that's, I don't know. Anyway, but core 52 will allow even the busiest person to start to master the core of scripture. Instead of one 52-week series, though, Core 52, we were broken up into about 12 four-to-six-week series within the series. So if you miss a week, we encourage you to go to the website, watch the message so that you can keep up. But if somebody comes in halfway through the year, they're not going to be like, huh? Because each message, even though they're tied together, they stand independently also. They stand on their own. Um, Now with the housekeeping out of the way, let's begin our journey this morning. We're going to begin in the very beginning. Makes sense. Genesis 1-1 which is also your memory verse for this week. Very easy one, so you won't have to spend 15 minutes on that. The author of Genesis has been attributed to Moses, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and Jesus himself. Now, Luke also tells us that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. We see this in Luke 4, 24, 27. In the, in, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted, them to the, interpreted to them the things that were written about himself in the Scripture. And so right there, there's one of the passages where Jesus is is saying it, but Luke is writing it. Moses here, when it talks about beginning with Moses, that's a reference to the first five books of the Old Testament. So Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Genesis, however, is the book of beginnings. In fact, the word Genesis means, means beginnings, so it makes sense. Genesis shows us not only the beginning of our world and humanity as a whole, But we see the beginning of marriage, we see the beginning of family, we see the beginning of civilization, and we see the beginning of culture. These are all things that come right out of Genesis. In Genesis though, we also see the beginnings of everything getting messed up. Genesis shows us the origins of man, excuse me, of human failure, of human death, disease, and natural disasters. Ours is a glorious world full of beauty, full of wonder, But also a world where something has gone very very wrong and when you wake up every day you can see both we also see the the, in genesis the beginning of god's plan to fix what was broken god has a plan to bring people back home to the paradise from which he intended us to be within to, to live we see the beginning of hope even in the midst of the fall and the help that every one of us desperately needs Genesis 1-1 is a passage that is vital for us to understand Because this passage sets up the foundation for the rest of the Bible It also sets the the foundation for basically everything in life Genesis 1 answers many questions That scientists are spending billions of dollars trying to figure out Man, I wish they'd send some of that to the church And we could send them the nicest Bible we can find You know... This passage also, also digs into some of the most important questions in life. All of this in Genesis 1-1. For instance, like, how did I get here? Where did it all come from? How do I fit in? What's my purpose? So with that said, let's begin our journey today. Genesis chapter 1-1. verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the first thing that we see that Genesis 1-1 reveals to us is the priority of God in respect to time. Let's begin by placing our focus on the first four words of Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Those four words are so simple, but yet so profound and so powerful. They answer so many questions. The implications of Genesis 1-1 are staggering. Something must be eternal. Something out there is eternal. There has to be an uncaused first cause. Does that make sense? And what ends up happening is, what is that uncaused first cause? I'm excuse me. What, the question is, what is that uncaused first cause? We have a couple choices. One is matter, the universe, creation, or two, God. Now, that which is an uncaused first cause would be what we should worship. That, that, to me, that makes sense. In other words, the uncaused first cause, whatever's been here eternally, would be our God, and it's either basically the universe, i.e., creation, or it's God Himself. Now, over time, in an effort to discount God, in an effort to discount God, humans have developed various isms in an effort to explain away God. The first sentence of the Bible throws down the gauntlet to a number of these isms, basically to all of them that are opposed to a biblical worldview. And every person probably that's ever been born has followed in some form or manner either God as the creator or one of these isms. I want to just briefly hit six of them because it shows how profound Genesis 1:1 is. Genesis 1:1 affirms that in the beginning Who existed? God. That does not say in the beginning the universe existed, does it? This fact is a direct opposition to atheism, which teaches a worldview that God does not exist. In the Old Testament, the word for God, Elohim, is used over 2,500 times. This word shows that God is the one who rouses people's fears and their reverence by his nature and his works. The word Elohim emphasizes the power and the transcendence of God. Atheism is all about replacing God with themselves. In other words, atheism is an effort to set oneself up as the maker, the decider, and the arbiter of all things. Now, an atheist won't tell you that, but when you're trying to usurp what belongs to God, what does that make you? Trying to be God. Now, you don't have to be an atheist to do that, by the way. But atheists say God doesn't exist. Well, Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God. So (laughs) atheism is kind of out the door. Excuse me, in Genesis 1-1, we also see, it makes it clear that that only one God existed does not say in the beginning, God's existed, does it? It says, in the beginning, God. This takes down another ism, and that's polytheism. That's the belief in many gods, and that's been one of the most popular views, and it still exists in this world today. The, plural, the plurality, excuse me, the pluralistic, pluralistic, I'll get it out here in a minute, unity of the Godhead is suggested by the fact that the word Elohim is plural, while the verb is singular. One God, three aspects. Later, Revelation makes it clear that the one God manifests himself in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, this knocks down another ism, Unitarianism. It knocks that one out. That's a theological movement named for its belief that God in Christianity is one entity opposed to the Trinity God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Unitarians believe that Jesus was inspired by God in his moral teachings and that he's Savior but he's not a deity. Well, in the beginning, God. It shoots that down. Genesis also teaches that the universe had a beginning and that it will also have an end. So therefore, matter is not eternal. The universe is not the uncaused first cause, but rather it came from God. God caused the universe. So that knocks out materialism. Materialism teaches that material possessions are of supreme importance. Therefore, there's no need for spiritual aspects in life. As long as you got your stuff, you're good to go. Because stuff is what you worship. Because stuff is what's eternal. We also see that God is distinct from nature. The Bible tells us that God created the heavens and the earth. It does not say in the beginning was nature, oh and God was a part of that. Pantheism is the belief that all things are part of a single a single divine reality. In other words, there's no st- distinction between reality, excuse me, between deity and reality. That God is everything. Well, that's not true. Because God created. God is here. Creation is here. It's not like this. So pantheism goes down for the count. Since God created the material universe, he is, awfully, he is obviously superior to it, and therefore in control of it. And this slaps down another ism called fatalism. It's the philosophical doctrine that states that all events or actions are inevitably determined by nature and external causes. No, God is in control. Genesis 1-1 affirms that God is that uncaused first cause, therefore the only one who is eternal, therefore that's why he's God. Make sense? Well, let's look at our passage again. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So the second thing that Genesis reveals to us, Genesis 1-1, is the priority of God in respect to position. In the beginning, God did what? Created. Since God has a priority in time, in other words, he's eternal, it makes sense that he holds priority in position. He is the one who created. Put another way, he is God alone and all else is not. There's only one God. And it's him. Genesis 1 recognizes God's priority and position in four different ways. First of all, God exercised his sovereignty when he named the various facets of his creation. You know, as I studied this and I really thought, I've been thinking a lot about this lately, but think about this the one who gives a name is superior to the named. For instance, when you birth a child, who names it? You do. So theoretically, who should be in control of your house? You should. Yes. When somebody creates something, they name it the telephone. Alexander Graham Bell, name the telephone. You can think of all kinds of things. But see, in the ancient world, by the way, when somebody conquered a city, the conqueror, what they would do is they would rename the city. You know why? It's a show of sovereignty. In other words, you could be in Jonestown and and Kevin could come, and next thing you know, Kevin's group calls it Kevintown to show everybody in that town that Kevin's in charge because Kevin took it. And so by the fact that God named everything, that shows God is superior to it. In Genesis 1-1, God names light, darkness, waters, dry land, the sky. He names all this stuff. No one else did. So therefore, since he created it, he named it, he's got a priority of position The second way is that God exercises sovereignty when he delegated responsibility and authority. On day four, God appointed the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the night. That was God. On the sixth day, God gave humans dominion over the earth and the animals of the earth. Therefore, humans are prohibited from worshiping any any creature, any creation. For humans are superior to all except God. And so for me to worship the creation actually lowers who I am below creation. And the only person, the only thing I should be worshiping is, a, is above me. It's like in the military, you know, you have a, a, you have a private, and then you have a sergeant, and then you have sergeant majors, and then you, you have generals and all this. Well, everybody knows the pecking order. And when an officer or somebody superior to you comes by, you salute them, you give them the proper respect. If you're a general private goes by, you don't snap to attention and salute them, do you? I don't think. Although in today's army, maybe you do. I don't know. You don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you understand that there's a priority, of position. As a demonstration of man's dominion over the earth, who named the animals? Adam, showing that he has dominion over them. He is greater than them. And a lot of times we don't think about that. And I've thought about this a lot. I thought, you know, that's, that's a neat aspect I've never considered before. God named him, he can claim him. Man named him, he can claim him. Third, the third reason, the third issue that we see where God is superior in position is that the lesser is blessed by the greater. We see that in Hebrews 7, 7 and other passages. Three blessings are pronounced uh, by God in creation in the creation narrative. And they're evidence of his priority of position. <clears throat> God blessed the fish and the fowl on the fifth day in Genesis 1.22, man on the sixth day on verse uh, Genesis 1.28, and the Sabbath, the Sabbath on the seventh, um, Genesis 2.3. So God gave these blessings to show that he is above them and not below them. Finally, God exercises sovereignty by imposing restrictions on the created order. He has the power to restrict four times god ordered various forms of life to reproduce after its own kind now there's some debate on the boundaries in place uh, embraced by the word kind in the hebrew but it certainly rules out evolution from a one-celled creature to a person it rules out going from a monkey to a human because we're to reproduce after our own kind i have when i worked at the shelter we had cats that had kittens never saw one have puppies never saw one have a lion man if we'd have had a lion or a cheetah or something I'd have brought it home but anyway never saw any of that cats had kittens dogs had puppies sheep have lambs cows have baby cows people I don't think if you talk to a doctor um calves have blank I I'm a country boy sort of town of 12,000 But humans, I don't think there's ever been a human that's had a cat because we are to reproduce after our own kind. And therefore, uh, evolution or even, you know, the way that we try to meld Christianity to be cool, we want to be cool, so we meld it with Christianity, it's a no deal because we reproduce after our own kind. So therefore, one day these monkeys, you know, Mama Monkey pops out, what is this? This doesn't look like us it's a human. Wow. No, 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 absolutely not. It takes more faith to believe in that stuff than it does to believe in the Bible, you know? Well, since God created, he is God. Creation is not to be worshiped. This is why God can prohibit the worship of anything else in the Ten Commandments. Who does God say you worship? Him. Who does he say you don't worship? What God should have said, what you're not going to do is you're not going to worship the creation. But yet, what has mankind done throughout history? What do we worship? Creation, material stuff, ourselves. And God says, no, no. The other thing about creation is we catch a glimpse of God in creation. You know, I appreciated when Rach was here and I had some people say, man, she looks a lot like you. And I'm like, oh no, no, no. She's, she's pretty, so she got to look like her mother. Uh, my girls look like their mother and my youngest one acts like me. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but I always say she's a much better version of me than I am, thankfully. People actually like her. But anyway, so you can see, you know, with Rachel here that you can say, yeah, that's their kid. You can see a bit of us in both of her, and uh, both of us in her. And if you're around her much, you see a lot of dad, obviously. obviously. Romans chapter one and verse 20 says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made. So people are without excuse. See, when we look at creation, we see common similarities indicating a common designer. I'm a big uh, uh, Ralph, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, I said Ralph for a minute, Frank Lloyd Wright fan. I love his architecture. When we lived in Illinois, we went through one of the Frank Lloyd Wright house. His stuff is so cool. Uh, some of us with the flat roofs not real practical, but anyway. So cool. We've been to one of his places up in Phoenix area. Was it, it was Phoenix, what? Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Man, I just love And that guy, if he were still alive, dad, I'd let him design me a house in a heartbeat. But what you see is when you look at his homes, you see a lot of similarities. Why? Common architect. And that's reigns true in a lot of areas in life. When we look at creation, we see we see the divine. It's really cool to me how they're doing the sequencing with DNA. And some scientists are like, whoa, this didn't happen by accident. There's a design there. The ultimate proof of creation is the fact that the universe exists and is governed by the laws of nature, right? If you drop an apple, it's going to hit the ground on, in this, on this planet. There's laws of nature that are in force. It's not random, it is order. When I was a kid, I liked to blow, used to like to blow stuff up when I could. Never saw any order come out of that. Oh, yeah, everything happened when one day everything blew up. We don't know where this stuff came from, but it blew up. And planets, I've seen video, planets spun out of it. Wow, and they actually got into a perfect position that supported life on this earth, on this planet. And look, they don't run into each other. We can tell where this earth was 5,000, 6,000 years ago. But yet, oh, it all happened by accident. Have you ever seen an explosion cause order? Now, I've seen them take a building down certain ways, but it's, it destroys the building. When we look at creation, we see the biblical account is true because what happens, what the Bible say about reproduction? It reproduces after its own kind. That's kind of biblical, isn't it? Don't need to do a bunch of stuff. There may be some microevolution within a species, some things change here and there. Within this, but you're not going from one species to another. And by the way, just as a side note, the fossil record has never proven that to be true. If they had it, they paraded all over the place. That would also discount the, cre- the the creation account. Why do you think they go so hard after Genesis? Because if you whack out verse one and chapter one, verse one, and, and any in and, and any of Genesis, you've just yanked the foundation of everything. Because if in the beginning it wasn't God, then it means it was the universe. So therefore, we're worshiping the wrong thing. We should be bowing down, kissing the earth, you know, giving burnt offerings to the earth. But if you yank that truth out, and by the way, Christians who try to meld scientific, scientific theory, remember it used to be the theory of evolution? Is it ever, you ever hear that word theory in front of evolution anymore? What do you think they're teaching our kids in schools? Evolution. When I was in school back in the stone age, and some of you predated the stone age, um, you know, we were, you know, hey, look, we're being honest here, you know, I'm, I'm the. <laughs> hey, I told you I'm from the stone age too, okay, you know, I had to walk, I had to walk to school 20 miles a day and, you know, just like the rest of us carrying my stone tablets, but we always had that word theory, not anymore, not anymore, it's not a theory to them, Why? Because they don't want God in the position He belongs in. Huh. We see in Genesis: 125, God made the wild animals according to their kind, the cattle according to their kind, and all the creatures that creep along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw it was good. Another thing that we see in creation is we see the Trinity as part of creation, co-equal, co-eternal with God the Father. God the Father was the architect. God created elements out of nothing. See, you go to a scientist and say, create me something out of nothing. What are they going to grab? Something. You know why? Because they can't do it out of nothing. God could do it out of nothing. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? Of course, if you're eternal, you will be. The Holy Spirit was the engineer. The breath of God, the Spirit, uh, uh, of, of, the Spirit of God gave life to all. Genesis chapter 1, and verse 2. Now the earth was without shape and empty, the darkness was over the surface of the watery deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering, moving, and it literally means quivering over the surface of the water. And the Son was the builder. Jesus was active in creation from the beginning, John 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus. The Word was with God, and the Word was fully God. The Word was with God in the beginning, all things were created by him and apart from him not one thing was created that's been created and by the way for folks that say that jesus was a created being a created being john 1 1 boom genesis 1 chapter 1 boom blows those out of the water jesus and the holy spirit are fully god this leads us to a final but important thought so, I want to take, take a look at the verse one more time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, what does all this stuff really mean? The priority of God in respect to your life. See, Genesis 1 1, that one verse reveals some major implications for our lives we are all created by god we did not af- we did not evolve from some lower form of life you know we see a lot of young people taking their lives do you, in a way i understand it you're told that your youth in the high school and stuff is the best time of your life for many it's not it's hell we've seen this with some of the stuff goes on with school shootings ultimately you'll see a lot of them they were bullied i thought school bullying didn't happen but apparently that's a myth and we see these things, and we see kids that have had terrible lives, but you're told, this is the best time of your life, man. And you're thinking, if this is the best, what do I have to look forward? Bang, it's over. Well, you were created from a monkey. Life doesn't have any, or you, you evolved from a monkey. Life doesn't really have any meaning. It's not going to get any better. And when you die, you're just dead. Well, let's just go ahead and get through the misery and make it now. Do you see, the, you see the thought pattern? We are doing a disservice to our young people, making them think that they evolved from some lower form of life instead of knowing, letting them know that you are special, that you're God's creation, that he loves you. He loves you the way you are. People may think you're weird, but God still loves you. We had a young lady at my last church. She wasn't in my church, but I did her funeral. She was going to be an engineering student at U of I. She was weird, apparently. And people picked on her and picked on her. She took a gun after she was valedictorian. A few weeks later, took a gun to her head and took her life in the park. Uh, Why? She's been bullied. Life's the best it's ever going to be now. No, you're taught, you come from a monkey. Life's, you know, this is the best part. Wait till you see the rest of it. It's going to be worse. We're doing them a disservice. If we're not created, then we can make the rules. Okay. Furthermore, there's only only this life, and we're just a mistake of nature if we weren't created by God. Psalm 139, 13, certainly you made my mind and heart. You wove me together in my mother's womb. God knows you. He knows you because he made you. Not only were you created in the image of God, excuse me, not only were you created by God, excuse me, but you were created in his image. Genesis 127. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So not only are you created by God, but you're created in his image. You're not a mistake. You know, sometimes, uh, you, you know, when in a married life and stuff, you're not expecting to have a child, you know, and it, it shows up, and we say, oh, and somebody says, oh, yeah, we, you know, the, the, we, we made a, this one was a mistake. In other words, we didn't plan it. And if you're, if you're not careful, you'll really give them a complex. But what we mean is, we don't mean, oh, that kid's a mistake, although, you know, sometimes you kind of feel that way when they're teenagers. But anyway, <laughs> we we're saying we didn't plan it. See, God planned you. You're not a mistake. This is why the abortion debate is so insidious. Because we are taking people who are created in God's image and we're just flushing them like they're nothing. You're not a mistake. You are special in God's eyes. You are made in his image. And because you are made in God's image, your life has much more purpose than just living, consuming, and dying. Your life is meant to praise God and lead lead others to him. You have a purpose in life. Ephesians 2.10 reminds us, For we are his creative work, having been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand so that we may do them. You have a mission in life. It's not just to to, to get everything that you can get, but it's to serve the Lord. Since we're created by God, he also gave us a job to manage his creation, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, Let us make humankind in our image after our likeness, Why? So they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over all creatures that move on the earth. So that implies, by the way, good stewardship. Because if God created, who does it belong to? It belongs to God. So therefore, Christians should be environmentally, uh, uh, care about the environment. We shouldn't get to the point where we worship the environment like some of the folks end up doing but we should do what we can to take care of this because it's God's. We're just here managing it. And part of our job as Christians is to manage what God has given us and not just to destroy it and not just to run through it. But we don't worship it either. You're special. Your life is called to be about him, honoring him, leading others to him because he gave you the gift of Life. And when you, when we, when you, when I, when we mess that up with sin, God says, I got a way to fix that. And that's how much he loves you. Genesis 1-1 is a passage that is vital for us to understand because it answers so many questions. The big question is, do you have the courage to, to embrace and accept the answers that Genesis 1-1 offers us? Are you willing to re-examine your life based on those answers? Humans marred God's creation with sin, and as a result, creation fell. However, there will be a final recreation through Jesus. Jesus is available to all. We are told in our passage, in, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians five seventeen. so if anyone is in Christ, he is what a new creation. What the what is old has passed away. Look, what is new has come. Are you ready to be a new creation in Christ? This morning, if you've not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we give you that opportunity to do so. You weren't here. You're not an accident. You were here because you were created by God. And God loves you so much that he wants to be with you for eternity. I mean, he made you. And he loves you. And this morning, if Christ isn't your Lord and Savior, he's the way that you can get back into that that relationship with with God. If, If you haven't done that, we invite you to come forward this morning. If you're an immersed believer and would like to make First Christian your home, we'd love to have you come forward this morning. If you're struggling and you need some prayer, if you want to come up, I'd be glad to pray with you. But if you have a decision to make, we invite you to come forward as we stand together and sing our song of decision, Take Time to Be Holy.
0: is amazing all I knew today what Jeff's sermon was going to be about was it's going to be the creation I had no idea other than that and yet what I have prepared for the communion meditation goes right along with it amazing there's an old saying to fail to plan is to plan to fail. Planning is very important for any project. If you just jump into a project without a plan for success, you will probably end up failing. Planning is important. Our God is a planner. Everything he does, he has planned. He planned creation. It didn't just happen. Done in planned order. He had a plan should mankind fail to follow his directions and mess things up, as we did. God had a plan to restore our broken relationship uh, with him right from the beginning. His plan was carried out through the generations that followed Adam and Eve. Everything we read in the Old Testament points us back to his plan for a coming Savior and Messiah. The theme of the entire Old Testament points to a coming Savior and Messiah. The plan continued on through the 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament time, where the theme is, he has come, he is here. Listen to what he listened to him as he continues the plan. The plan continued on as Jesus was arrested, unjustly tried, and finally nailed to a cross of execution, where he died fulfilling God's plan to provide a savior for us. I saw one hanging on a tree in agony and blood. He fixed his languid eyes on me. As near his cross, I stood. Oh, can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me? My soul is thrilled. My heart is filled to think he died for me. Sure, never till my latest breath can I forget that look. It seemed to charge me with his death, though not a word he spoke. A second look he gave which said I freely all forgive this blood is for thy ransom paid I die that you might live oh can it be upon a tree the Savior died for me yes it can be and yes It is a part of the plan that our God had through the ages since the Garden of Eden. His whole plan is to provide a Savior to pay the price of our restoration to God. Planning is important. Here, as we come to the table of communion, we come to thank God and to thank Jesus or sticking with the plan. Father, we are thankful that you planned it all, and nothing just happened that was part of your great plan. You only had one plan, and that was for us to be with you. Help us as we come to the table and remember once again the culmination of that plan. Jesus died for us.
3: the inside of your bulletin we have announcements for this week our elders and preachers will get together this afternoon at three thirty. Um, jerry's groups will be meeting roger's group will not meet he's not feeling well um, we have our leadership team meeting on tuesday all of our bible studies begin again so the adult study begins on wednesday night and the youth study begins also and al's life group starts this week lori's will start next week narrow path we're meeting at uh, eight o'clock here at the church on saturday we're leaving at eight thirty. We're going on the fort, so please make sure you have your pass to get on the fort. Um, see, there was something else. Oh, prime time, we're going to be at Olive Garden. So make sure you get signed up for that. We're going on the 19th at 6.15 p.m. Also, if you haven't picked your offering envelopes, there are some in the foyer still. And make sure you don't use your 2024s and 20, or 2023s and 2024. Also, in line with our um, Core 52, um, Dale's going to be having a life group here on Sunday evenings. At six o'clock, they're going to meet meet in in the auditorium, and so they're going to be going through the material with you, and so if you'd like to be a part of that, it's open, so you can come, you know, we'd like you to be here all the time, but whenever you can be here, be here. Make sure if you haven't picked up your Core 52 book to do so. Also, before we dismiss this morning, I wanna show you, uh, we have all 52 of these videos on our Core 52 part of our website so you can easily get them. Or if you go on to the core 52 resource page, you can sign up and have them sent to you. But here, here's the first memory verse.
4: Together, we're going to memorize all of the core 52 verses. It'll take about three minutes per verse. Some are a little longer, some are a little shorter. Because today's is shorter. I want to start by giving you three of the most important tips, and tricks for memorizing scriptures more quickly and more permanently. One, two, three. Number one, repeat, repeat, repeat. Take each phrase of the verse and say it over and over and over again until you can't say it or hear it any other way. We'll put those phrases together and we'll have a complete verse. Number two, hands, feet. The more your hands and feet are moving, the more quickly you will learn the verse and the more permanent it will become. If you're walking as you're memorizing, if you're moving your feet, it will help your mind engage. It's even more important for your hands. I'm gonna try to design some hand gestures for each verse so that just by doing the gestures, you will remember the words. But remember, the more your hands and feet are moving, the more your mind will engage with the passage in front of you. Number three, it's three, three, three. Three minutes, three days, three weeks. It takes about three minutes to memorize each verse. So if there's multiple verses, just plan on three minutes per verse. Three days. You never memorize a verse in one day because the next day, a lot of it slips. So you have to go back and re-memorize. It's pretty quick, like a minute, But after three days of doing that, you should remember the verse. So if you're memorizing a verse a day, each verse you memorize will take you three full days. Add on a few more verses, and then you can begin memorizing paragraphs and chapters, three weeks. Until you say a verse every day from memory for three weeks, it won't be permanent in your memory. So those are the three rules. Let's start with Genesis 1, 1. And you'll notice, I'll start with a reference, say the verse, and then end with the reference again. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. I'm gonna add a hand motion. Because we read from left to right, it will be this. In the beginning, 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 in the beginning. Say it over and over, till you can't hear it either, any other way. Then add another phrase. In the beginning, that's left hand, God. Just point up, God. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God created. God created. God created. God created. Got it? In the beginning, God created. Now I'm going to use both hands, the heavens heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth. Heavens and the earth. See if you can do it with me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now watch this. You said it in your own mind just by doing the actions. One more time, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. One down, 51 to go.
3: So you can see, you know, for some people, everybody has different memory verses. And by the way, he's using the English standard version for memory, it just so happens to match my N-E-T, I'm going to memorize stuff in NET and some of these I've memorized them in New American Standard so sometimes you'll hear me stumble over a verse because my mind's trying to spit it out in New American Standard when I've used the Christian Standard, the any, you know, anyway, it's my mind locks up. So pick the version you like. But if you want to use English Standard, I used to preach out. It's a great, great version of the Bible to preach out of. So anyway, all 52 of those are on our website. And if you sign up through the link I've got on the website, they'll email you then. And you can actually track your progress, too, for people who like to check check marks, you'll like that. Okay, I believe that's all the announcements. In the back of our bulletin, we have our prayer concerns. Um, pray for a great 2024. I had somebody tell me that I'm glad it's a new year because last year was terrible. <laughs> so... Hopefully this year will be much, much better. We have special concerns we're praying for. Please keep them in your prayers. I'm going to pray for those who are struggling with their health right now. Uh, pray for Barb niece. She would love to be with us, but she's been having some health issues, so keep her in your prayers. Uh, we have troops that have ties to First Christian. We want to be in prayer for our shut-ins. We miss having them. Um, this this uh, month we are, um, we are focusing on our outreach care net and our mission, Boise Bible College. So make sure you keep those in your prayers. At this time, let's stand together. I'll give you an opportunity. Oh, yeah, never mind. never mind. Yeah, let's stand together. I thought I forgot something. Um, let's stand together, and I'll let you take your hearts to the Lord. I'll close us with a prayer, and then our praise team will lead us with a song this morning. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for the blessings we have in you, and Father, we pray that you be with all the requests that have been lifted up to you, all the ones we have in our bulletin. Lord, I pray for 2024 that it'll be just a, a great year as we serve you. Help us to reach more people, help us to grow closer to you, and Lord, help us to keep our focus on you in a manner maybe we've never done before. Lord, I pray as we leave this place, we leave with joy and determination and a, just a fire within us to, to share the gospel with those around us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: i will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart i will enter his court Glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Thank you for joining us for church this morning. Have a great week in the Lord, everybody.